Are you looking for inspiration on a daily basis? Well, check out Deal to Heal Teas. With our inspirational teas, you're sure to find something that will inspire you. Just go to dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. That's Deal to Heal Teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear inspirational tea and be inspired all day. That's Deal to Heal Teas at dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. Hey guys, this is Ernest James, host of the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And I got a question to ask you. Could you buy me a cheeseburger? Better yet, could you buy me a value meal? Yes? Well, guess what? I don't need a value meal. However, for the cost of a value meal, you can support this podcast to keep us on the air. Just go to Patreon slash Deal to Heal podcast and choose any one of the three tiers that's available. And if you just want to make a one-time donation, go to Cash App. And make a donation to dollar sign E James, the number 418. Make a one time donation to the Cash App, or again, go to Patreon to support this podcast and keep us on the air. Thanks in advance. Be blessed. Welcome to Deal to Heal with E. James Podcast. On this podcast, my guest and I will discuss topics and ways to help us to heal in every area of our lives. I believe that everyone can live a life that is happy, healthy, and whole. So I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. I am your host, Ernest James, and I believe that everyone can and should live a life that is whole, healed, and healthy. And therefore, I'm on a mission to help people to deal, to heal, and to fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. Thank you guys once again for tuning in to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. If you haven't already, uh, make sure that you listen, like, subscribe, and share to our podcast on all of our social media platforms, on our YouTube page, our Facebook page, uh, definitely where we're able to interact with you more on a daily day, day-to-day basis and to share uh, information with you more expediently than we can with the podcast. Um, also, follow us on uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube, as I said before, I think we're on, we're on TikTok also, but wherever, wherever, just make sure you guys follow us. Um, and also, uh, I'm going to tell you guys how you can win $100 from the podcast um, by joining our super subscriber uh, contest, but you got to stay until the end to get that information. Um, so again, thank you guys for tuning in to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And today, just like any other day, we are blessed with a guest, Miss Natalie Alexander. How are you doing? Hello, nice to meet you, Ernest, and thank you so much. I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here. I'm doing well. Thank you so much. No problem. So first of all, let me say thank you for being on because you could have been doing anything else where any uh, with anyone else, but you are here with me and my listeners, and we definitely appreciate it, and I'm sure that we'll get something out of this uh, talk that we're going to have today. Thank so, you for inviting me. No problem. No problem. Uh, so now like, let's jump right into it. Uh, do me a favor, introduce yourself uh, to my listeners and tell us who you are and what it is exactly that you do. My name is Natalie Alexander. I am a licensed professional counselor. I have been providing therapy for 10 plus years. I started in Huntsville, Alabama uh, as a caseworker, a case manager, at a place uh, called Sequel Youth and Family Services, where I provided therapy for adjudicated uh, juvenile boys, and then decided, you know what, Um, I'm making some change here, but they're having to go back to their families where the issues where the root of the problems are, and they would end back right back where they were with me. So I I left that uh, institution and opened up private practice where I could reach the families and reach the community. 
and then transitioned here to Georgia, where um, my my demographic, my client base opened up to uh, marriage relationships, couples of all of of all communities, LGBTQ, as well as um, heterosexual, just every, everybody relationships. And so I'm just happy to be here. Um, I care about people. I care about relationships. I understand that uh, relationships is one of the ways that we attain and maintain mental health and well-being, the ability to uh, engage in a healthy way in relationships and grow individually as well as nurture the relationships that we have. Okay. Okay. So first of all, let me say thank you for, for what you do, um, because especially in the mental health space, as a Black therapist, um, you know, you're helping to break the uh, stigma, should I say, and also to uh, take away the fear um, that a lot of times that we have as uh, in our culture, African-American culture, of, you know, not wanting to seek uh, therapy, uh, not being sure that we're going to be understood. Um, so it definitely helps to have someone who looks like us to be yes. able to talk to us. Um, therefore, definitely open up the doors for us to being able to express express ourselves uh, more evenly and being and being open to the experience. Um, yeah. I'm definitely one who believes in in uh, therapy. Um, my Belief came in a different way, should I say. I mean, I was always open to the fact, um, but mine came in, in the way of bereavement. Mm. Um, when my mom passed away, uh, mm. I went and I started taking uh, bereavement sessions, uh, group sessions of bereavement. And mm. in the midst of that, I realized that uh, I really liked it. And so I, I stayed there. I became a volunteer to ask me, you know, to start helping to facilitate, which I did. Um, but I realized that only, I think the time that I was there as a as a volunteer, um, maybe it was a little over a year. And in that year's time, I think we only had two at the most of Black families to come through there. Wow. And I knew that it wasn't because we weren't dying, you know, and it wasn't because you know, um, our families didn't need the help, but it was, of course, the stigma that we have around um, seeking therapy and, and things like that. So thank you again for uh, just by being who you are helps to eradicate some of the fears that we may have around uh, seeking help and, and, and therapy. Um, so um, Let's let's go back a little bit. Actually, since since we're there, let's go back a little bit to uh, younger Natalie, who are who's growing up and saying, you know, what, what do I want to do when I grow up? So, what was it that even made you want to go down that road, or was there an experience that said, you know what, this is the way I want to go? Younger Natalie, um, younger Natalie was more artistic and creative. Um, you know, going through her own childhood traumas and experiences. Uh, but younger Natalie loved people in the same way that older Natalie loves people. Um, I, And as I grew up and into my adulthood, people, random strangers, and it still happens to this day, will walk up to me and I will smile and, and greet and they will start pouring out their problems. Um, I went to I went to Black, Black Wall Street here in Georgia um, about a month ago, and I went to a vendor, just wanted to get a smoothie. And I was just talking, trying to figure out what smoothie I wanted to get. And she leaned over, it was an African-American woman. She said to me, um, what do you do for a living? And I said, I'm a mental health provider. And she said, I just feel this pull to tell you all about my life. And, and it just happens, it just happens. And so when I was um, after the birth of my second child, I believe, or, or in a while pregnant with my second child, my, my physician, OBGYN, said to me, because at the time I was, um, uh, I was a stay-at-home mom with my first child. And prior to that, I was in dentistry, uh, dental assistant. Um, she said to me, what, do you, what is it? What do you want to do? What's your thing? And I said, I, I guess it's just help people solve their problems because people just walk up to me and just start sharing and start pouring. And the answer just comes. And 
I'll just say, I would say what came to my mind. It would help. It would heal. They would leave. And here I am. So it's my gift. It's my calling. Okay, cool, cool. And it is it, the reason why I, I asked that for several reasons. I asked, one reason I asked that definitely to give, uh, to add to the credibility of the guests, you know, because generally the guests that I have on when we're speaking about a certain topic is because of an experience that they have had, you know, mm -hmm. um, which allows them to be able to speak on that topic. Mm -hmm. um, but also just to, to be interested, you know, for myself, of that experience because yes. even when i mentioned about um with me and the whole thing with the bereavement yes. years before that happened right yes. years before i was oh i don't know how old, old i was when my mom passed away this was several years ago um but years before that in my teenage years i remember this one night uh and i've told the story on on a podcast before but uh, to my listeners, don't get bored. I'm telling again. So, <laughs> but one night we, uh, me and my cousin, it's been maybe about ten o'clock at night, and we go to um, to the corner store, right? Just go to the corner store. It's that night. We're going to get whatever we're going to get, and uh, it's maybe about five or six people in the store, and then uh, two gentlemen come in the store. Two adult gentlemen, uh, African American guys. One guy is huge. I remember him being huge. He's tall. He's big. Just overall big guy. And the other guy was smaller, more like, you know, average size guy. Right. But the big guy is crying. Mm. Right. And so 10 o'clock at night, two adult men, grown African-American men crying in public, you know, and I'm like, all right, something ain't right, you know. And so uh, in the midst of his conversation while they're together, so the, the smaller guy is trying to comfort the bigger guy. Right. And so in the midst of his conversation or, or their conversation, I was able to pick out that something had happened to a female member, friend or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm led to believe that maybe it was someone that passed away, mm -hmm. you know. And so he, he's there trying to have this conversation and he's crying. The other guy is trying to calm him down. We're in line to go to the register. Um, they're right in front of me. And it's maybe about three or four people in front of them, you know, and they're so they're having this conversation with each other. And the one guy's trying to calm them down. And then he's get to a point where the bigger guy just turns around and he punches the top of the counter with his fist. And it'll boom, it's like echo through the whole story. Everybody turns around and he was like, I just want some cigarettes. You know, and oh. so everybody was like, all right, get this mess of cigarettes. You know, so everybody kind of moved out the way, like, hey, you know, go to the counter. Right. So he buys a cigarette, he goes out the store. Right. You know, uh, I didn't know the two guys, don't really remember what they look like, never saw them again. Right. But that stayed in my mind. Mm -hmm. That event, and I was, like I said, I was a teenager at this time. Mm -hmm. So fast forward to after my mom passed, and I'm going through these bereavement. Um, I'm going through this bereavement sessions mm -hmm. and I'm so uh, inspired by it that I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay. And mm -hmm. so I stay. And then that even led to me um, starting a nonprofit called Aunt Christine's Charities named after my mom and my mother-in-law at the time who also had passed away mm -hmm. and offering bereavement services um, through my nonprofit. Um, so that's why I asked, because I know that there are a lot of times there are significant events that happens in our lives that lead us down the road that oftentimes we don't do the connection. Because, again, that happened when I was I was a teenager. I probably was 17, 18 years old. Right. So mind you, by the time my mom passed away, uh, this is about 10 years ago, I probably was in my 30s. Okay. You know, it's a good 10, 15 years in between this time period where that event happened, but yet in the back of my mind, it still was so vivid that once I got into these, uh, into this space of therapy and, you know, bereavement, it came right back, you know, as, as clear as day. And so that's why I ask, because usually there, there's something in our life that happens that sends us down this road um, to become who we become. Right. You know? And so that's why that's why I asked. That's my only thing. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing. Yes, yes, I get it. I get it. Yes. No. So, um, so you're, I know you're a therapist, and then, uh, so were you always working uh, with families and relationships, or were you 
doing something else. And then it just kind of woven into the uh, the space of families and relationships. As far as therapy is concerned, I'll say this because what you what you shared with me shared with me with us reminded me of another very important part of my career choice. Um, I have a younger brother, and at the time, for the longest time, he has been um, a substance abuser, um, having issues with substance abuse, and. Um, I just wondered, I remember sitting on, on a train in the subway, just wondering like, why, what, like, why did he choose that? What's going on in my family? Like, what? Just asking the questions, you know, in my mind and then never really getting an answer. And so um, years later, you know, I, I'm in school, I'm finishing up my master's degree in therapy and uh, psychology and counseling. And I have to go to a, um, a, a, a site for my internship, my practicum and internship. And so a friend of mine that I went to church with, I was, I was like, oh, you, you're a therapist somewhere. Where is it? She's like, yeah, let me talk to my supervisor and let me talk to my supervisor. And then I'll, you know, let ask her if she, she would be your, your, your person for practicum and, and, um, internship. And so she did. And I spoke with the woman. She's like, yes, bring your form. I'll sign it. And I had no idea what I would be doing or where I was going. So I walked in the place. I signed the paper. She she agrees to be my, my supervisor, my clinical supervisor. And I'm like, okay, by the way, what is this? She's like, this is a, a, a um, moderate uh, security facility for adolescent boys, adjudicated boys. And I was like dumbfounded because my passion has been for boys and crime and things. My younger brother at the time was in and out of jail. And so I was like, wow, like I get to, I really get to pour into these young men. So I started there. I started with influencing these young men who, um, criminals, um, but got to understand them. I got to understand and have a deeper, greater respect for the gang culture and, um, and just, my, just really care. And I, I do have a soft spot for, for men, uh, for troubled youth. Oh yes. Soft spot. And, but it did, it did morph into relationships, um, and marriages and things of that nature. Okay, cool, cool. So it just, uh, it's funny that you mentioned about your, your, uh, brother with substance abuse. I just recently, uh, at the time of this recording, just, this past Sunday uh, episode was released on a podcast that I was a uh, guest on where mm -hmm. I talked about my experience of watching my father mm -hmm. uh, suffer from substance, not substance, well, substance, it's still a substance, but it was alcohol, mm -hmm. but watching him struggle with that uh, during the years and even how that impacted myself and my brother in two mm -hmm. different ways from the same uh, example. Yes. You know, um, so that I was uh, uh, able to be on that podcast um, called the uh, Untapped Kick is what it was called. And so mm -hmm. I was able to do that. So that's just funny that you that connection of, uh, you know, you mentioning that with, with your brother. And, and, and it's funny even with that, how our families uh intertwine with what we what we end up doing uh, with mm -hmm. our lives. Like you said, you know, where there's one experience. uh you know, growing up and then it turns into something else. And then, you know, you've been the person that everyone comes come to to tell your problems. And then now you try and figure out how you can help your brother, which leads you to a place where not only are you able to, uh, in fact, help your brother, but help other young men that's like him. Uh, so it's, it's funny how God works with putting that, putting that all together. Um, so one of the things that I, I know that you talk about, so we're going to jump into this, this relationship stuff, yeah. is uh, similar to to actually the, the progression of this conversation, which is our families and even our upbringing and how that relates to the way that we show up in relationships. Because yes. uh, I always say that even within a relationship, what you were raised, how you were raised, um, affects how you operate within the relationship, Absolutely. right? So if you were raised from a family that was... Uh, to some maybe dysfunctional with loud and rowdy and fighting. And then you connect with someone whose family was 
low key and everybody talked everything out. And, you know, so those two dynamics and they say opposites attract. So you got those two dynamics that come together in a relationship. And then now you're both showing up uh, in ways that are quite different from one another. You know, yeah. and you got to figure out how to um, navigate uh, that that way. So, I, like I said, I know that's something that you speak on. So from your point of view, just how much does our upbringing affect the way that we behave as, as adults in our relationships? It, it definitely informs it. It definitely informs it. I have so many examples that are swirling around in my mind and I'm trying to figure out which one to point out and, <laughs> and really, um, and highlight. And so one that jumps out is, is, you know, for women, a man and woman, try to remember, um, one in particular woman whose, whose father, um, was unkind to her. Okay. Fathers are unkind. So we look for a partner uh, that's going to be kind to us. Okay. And so, but then, but because the narrative we learned that, let's say you're stupid. If you have a parent that says you're so stupid, like, what don't you know? You're so dumb. Then we show up either as over, over, overproducing, overperforming, because nobody's going to call me stupid. And then in a relationship with um, our partner, we're going to look, we're going to be critical. We're going to be critical of our partner and that's going to affect how he, he or she relates to us. And then um, also we kind of project, project that like, I'm not stupid. I'm proving that I'm not dumb. It, 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 it can translate in so many ways, but then altogether in the sum total of things, we don't feel positively about who we are as individuals. And so um, there's that, right? They, I Another uh, case comes to mind where a gentleman came to me because he kept cheating on his girlfriends and several children, different mothers. And so really one in particular relationship he really wanted to keep, it just didn't work out because his partner uh, caught wind of an infidelity and, and he was making, he was like making excuses. Well, she, well, she, but I, and blaming and constantly blaming his partner. And so it occurred to me to ask him, what did you learn about how to relate to women? And he paused. I said, okay, was your, was your mom a single mom? Yes, she was. Did you have brothers? No, I was the only boy and had sisters. Okay. So there was a lesson that you learned about how to interact with women. And oftentimes when there's a boy and sisters and mom only, the boy's always the one that's getting picked on. And he used the word bullied. He said, what I learned is not to be bullied by women. So I had to break it down. If you're going to be, if you're going to feel that you're being bullied by women, what does that make you? What does somebody that's bullied feel like a victim. So if you're not going to be a victim in the, in the hands of women, how are you going to posture yourself and show up in a way that nobody's going to control what you do? Ah, And then you're going to find other women where you can control because you're going to pick somebody that's just like your mom, right? Who's going to tell you what to do, is going to make you feel good about yourself, but you're going to find other women that's going to balance all of that out. You don't mean to, you love your partner, but inside of you, you're you've learned that when I'm in love with a woman, when I have a woman that loves me and that I love, she's going to be a bully. Do you see how that plays out and pans out? And it's very, very common. Sometimes bully is not the word that's used, but, you know, and then, and then I can go on and on, Ernest, but, and then there's, there's brothers who, who are afraid because the day this particular person realized that his relationship with his mother um, had negatively affected him, I could see the pain. The reality that our parents were not perfect. Let's mm -hmm. put it that way. And in the African-American community, we're honoring our elders and respecting our mother and father is a very important um, value to be able to recognize and admit and to put words to, my mom was not perfect. My dad was not perfect. They were mean or whatever it was that, that goes against what we've been taught to believe. That's difficult. That is difficult. And, but, but that's part of what we have to deal with in order to heal from the pain of our childhood. Now, because I'm a therapist, I'm going to look at the negative sides of things of how we show up in relationships. But truth be told, there are several positive experiences with our mm -hmm. parents 
that do inform how we love and how we receive love and our love languages and our the ability that we have to demonstrate affection and things of that nature. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting, even with the with the example that you used, because it brought to, to my mind an example that I know of mm-hmm. um, with someone that I know who where you're being mistreated, mm-hmm. right, in, in relationships, and you're like, you know what, I never want to be mistreated again. But on the flip side of that, you become the person who you don't, who you hate, should I say? You know, so you think about how you are mistreated so much by this person or these persons, and your mindset is, okay, I'm never going to be mistreated like that again. But then you become that person, you know, and so now you're inflicting the same treatment and uh, the same treatment that you don't like or didn't like. Now you're reflecting that same treatment onto the people that is coming into your life because you're so adamant of not being a victim Mm -hmm. that you didn't don't even realize, but now you've become the person that's, you know, uh, giving out the, the, I don't know what the word I want to use, a victim. The abuse, maybe the abuse. Abuser. Abuser. Good. That's a, that's a good one. You know, you, you, you switch roles, you know, in your, in your um, mind to protect yourself you simply switch roles and now you become the aggressor, yeah. you know? Um, so, and that's why I, I'm so appreciative of, of therapy, you know, especially when we're dealing with things that we need to get to the bottom of, you yes. know, we need to get, get to the bottom of why we're doing the things that we do, why we feel the way that we feel. And even like you said, with the young man who you talk to, to be able to recognize, okay, the way you're acting comes from somewhere. There's a source of why you're, you're, playing out that way, especially if your actions is going against your own desires. You know, right. you want to be with the person that you're with. You want to treat her right. You want to love her, but there's something in you that's just leading you to go this other way. So you so, have to be able to uh, acknowledge those things. So I'd like to, I'd like to put our uh, my finger on the word shame and the concept of shame and how shame has been a staple in the African-American community for generations and how shame can keep us from healing and from looking inward because we've learned that uh, because, you know, shaming your child, you know, why would you do something like that? How could you possibly think that that was the right thing to do? What are you thinking? You know, then it's like, oh, my gosh. So we get the message that I am wrong versus separating the decision that I made was not the best decision. I'm still a good kid. I'm still lovable. I'm still worthy. I'm still valuable. A lot of our kids, a lot of us as, as children didn't get that message. So when you talk about looking at the problem, what's the root of things? Ooh, that could be one of the most daunting things to do because that means I have to look at myself and my parents don't like me. So I'm not going to like me. I I can't do it. I'm just going to get mad. I'm going to shut it down and I'm just not going to talk about it. And I'm just going to go silent and stonewall and just do something else on to the next relationship or whatever drink. Hmm. And and, and I'm listening to, to the, the things that you just said and, I have a picture in my mind <laughs> of who that is, right? And I'm listening. I'm like, oh, okay, I know that person, okay. you know. <laughs> and so um, I want to I want to switch it up just a little bit because you know we're talking about relationships and how we we show up in relationships. And I'm thinking about the 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 example that you just gave, mm-hmm. and you know the way that you know a person may act out of you know the shame. You know, yeah. because of the shame, I'm going to act this way. But I think in some in some instances, it shows up in a different way, especially as adults, uh, mm-hmm. men and women, you know, with the accountability. Like, you know, are you going to be accountable of the way that you're acting? Yes, you may have a reason of why you started to act uh, the way that you acted, but that does not excuse your behavior just because you have a reason to behave that way. Mm-hmm. And so in, in this climate, um, I, I do a lot of com- conversations about relationships. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's come up a lot now is the accountability, uh, especially in this generation or this day of time with some of our women. It's like, we don't want to be accountable for our actions. And it's like, yeah, I, I remember watching, uh, it was a clip from a, a another podcast mm-hmm. and it was a male and female uh, 
kind of, should I say, and the mm -hmm. one lady was talking about that um, she have, was, was in a relationship with a married man. Okay. And so in the midst of that conversation, they was like, why would you do that? Mm -hmm. You know, so she went into talking about, you know, when she was in a relationship. I don't know if she was married at the time, but she was in a relationship and her husband cheated on her and the other woman didn't care how she felt and whatever. And they mm -hmm. was like, yeah, but you didn't like that. So why would you then in turn become that woman? Mm -hmm. And she just blew up and she was just so adamant about, I don't care how she feels. And it's like, obviously you do, you know, right. because you've become the right. person who you say you hate it, you know, but when they were trying to get her to see that, like, yeah, but you don't see how your actions is, you know, doing the same thing that was done to you to right. this, other, this other person. And she just wasn't trying to hear it. Right. Um, and now that was, that's, I was, you know, kind of an extreme example in, in right. that case. But even in more subtle ways, just in the way that, that a lot of times now, uh, it seems like some of the women, just when it comes to the accountability, they don't want it. And so I think there's a, a miseducation, whether it's passed down um, from other generations or just given with, within the culture of this time, uh -huh. you know, that women are just miseducated on what it really is to be in a relationship. And, and men too, and men too. But it's just yeah. an example, just going off some of the things to my mind from what you just, uh, ex the example that you just given. Yes. That's what came to my mind. Yes. You know, and I think that a lot of times we're just mis misled. And so so as you're speaking, I'm thinking, you know, for women. Yes, it is. It is difficult to be a, a, a accountable. It's, it's not an easy thing. It does take humility, but I'll even say it does take courage. Now, you know, society frowns upon generally speaking, just society frowns upon women um, who who are. Um, the mistress, the mistresses, right? There is a there is a subculture out there who praises side chicks and and links as they call them, right? So okay, that that's fine and that's fine. But I, I'll say that in order for a woman, generally speaking, in order for a woman to 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 take accountability, she has to feel safe. And so when you're telling a woman, well, how could you possibly? Don't you think that it feels bad? How would you like it if? Ugh, that's a lot of like finger pointing. And that does have a, a flavor of shame to it versus sis. Like, I guess he really loves you and I guess you really love him, but I want to encourage you to love yourself a little bit more than that. Like you are worthy to have a man all to yourself and not share a man or, or man, like that, that woman, that other woman, his wife must be really be sad. Like what, what, what are you feeling? What are you going through? Like, this is a lot of hurt that, that I'm feeling because of what you're doing. Because at the end of the day, I doubt that that mistress is intending to hurt anybody. At best, her intention is to get some needs met. And this man is meeting needs. So she's right. She doesn't care about the wife because needs are being met. And this man is being, he's meeting the need, whatever that looks like. So, so when we're talking about accountability, we want to be like, we want to lead with how we feel. We want to lead with that. I felt disrespected. You know, when you call me out my name or when you just keep blowing up my phone, I feel like you don't respect my time and I care about you. Is that your intention? Okay. Cause we are feeling people, right? We know this, that women are more, have been trained to be more emotional and more expressive of our emotions. I hear that oh, I'm, I'm being disrespectful. Uh, that's not what I want. That's not my intention. So I'm going to seek to change my behaviors. Now, if I'm like hurting already and haven't healed and just listening through ears of hurt and, and observing with eyes of pain, ooh, that's going to be hard, right? But I'm probably going to cry. I'm probably going to lash out. But if my partner is a mature person and can, and can, Hold me and really just be like, okay, yes, I know you're upset, but I'm here and I'm not going anywhere. Enough of those kinds of interactions will create a space for her to be like, okay, yes, I did mess up. I just don't know. I don't know. Like, you know, and, and then you'll get the accountability and the growth. What's interesting, Ernest, is when I heard you say, no matter the reason, that doesn't excuse. 
And what I want to inject in there is that there usually is a reason for the behavior. And I don't want to make reasons synonymous with excuses because mm -hmm. the stories that we have behind our behaviors can also encourage compassion. Not only compassion for myself, but compassion for the people that are hurting and have hurt me. Because we are all messed up. We all have issues. And we all need compassion and comfort for the, our pain. Yeah, and I, I like what you said. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why I love having these, these conversations, right? Especially when it comes to our relationships. Because it's... it's it really is complex yes. you know, on the on the surface. But as we start going deeper into it and really start breaking it down, it's like, okay, now we get into the meat of it, right? And so this just this conversation just brought up two things, uh, two previous guests uh, that I had, yes. um, and I, I can't remember the names, so I'm not going to even try. But one of the guests, um, her program that she she worked with women but mm -hmm. one of her things that she talked about was the fact that um in her marriage previously she was divorced at the time um that her marriage ended because she ended up cheating mm -hmm. right and so she became the side chick because the guy who she was cheating with also was married mm -hmm. um and so she talked about that dynamic but her her main focus was getting women to understand um, just from who she was at that time and who they may be is that number one, there are some women out here who their whole mission, they just like, Hey, I'm the side chick and they're fine with that, yeah. you know? And so her teaching is don't give them a door. You know what I mean? Like there are some women out here who don't want a man to their self, you know, mm -hmm. they just want yours to use them when they want to use them and then send them home, you yeah. know? So her, her platform was like, Hey, so I want to teach you how to make sure your doors is closed. So when she comes knocking, there's no room for her to get in because mm -hmm. she can't come in unless there's room, you know, to come in. And so uh, that was one thing. And then the other one, um, man, I can't even think of what it is. It just escaped my mind that fast. Um, but it was two previous guests and, and in, our, in our conversations. That's what made me, you know, what you were just saying made me think of it. Um, but I think that, you know, like you said, as we begin to really unfold, you know, the things that has happened to us in our past and become vulnerable with our uh, our partners, we're able to get to those root of those of the matter, right? So um, I, I don't know how long you may have come in contact with, the, with the, the podcast, but in my coming to even start the podcast, my platform was called, uh, was, I still have the platform, but it was Friends and Fatherless Daughters. Um, because I was talking to fatherless daughters because in the midst of my marriage at that time, I realized we we're, we're bunheads, you know, we was having some differences. Um, and it was from at the root of it, the differences in our upbringing, because I was raised with my mom and dad and she was a single, uh, she was raised by a single mother, a mm -hmm. fatherless daughter. And mm -hmm. I realized that every woman that I had ever dated was a fatherless daughter. Wow. So that sent me down this road of, uh, you know, kind of how can I, since I'm attracting them or they are attracted to me, however it goes, we're coming into contact with each other. Right. What advice could I give uh, to them to kind of help them through this through their journeys? And one of the situations um, that I talked about a lot because it came to me a lot was um, fatherless daughters who would get into these relationships with people that was already in relationships, mm -hmm. you know? And so it came to that, you know, getting to the root of the matter of, you know, not feeling enough, not feeling like you are worthy that someone will take all of you mm -hmm. of just who you were, you right. know, without having to put up, you know, these, these um, facades and whatever and showing up in these different areas. Right. And so, you know, having those conversations, even, you know, with the, the father's daughters to get them to say, look, to, to look at themselves and say, you know, I am worthy enough. I am good enough. And, you know, to begin to do the, the self-healing on nice. the inside, because when you start doing the self-healing, it affects how you show up on the outside. Definitely. You know, I remember talking to one uh, young lady, she was saying, you know, the guy who she was in a relationship with, he was a married man, you know, and he, at the time that he approached her was at her lowest point. And I was telling her, like, do you think he didn't see that? 
do you think he didn't know you was at your lowest point before he before he came to you? Because just like I was explaining to her, just like you know, you feel some type of way, there are guys who can pick up on that automatically and they look for it. Wow. You know, and then as we begin to talk about this guy, we begin to uh bring she began to tell me, which I already knew that he was a guy who was married, but he constantly cheated on his wife. Ooh. You know. And the reason why, I ain't going to say the reason why he constantly cheated, but the women that he constantly cheated with were broken women, mm-hmm. you know, who he came, because he had a little money. So he come and, you know, throw a little money at him and, hey, let me help you out or whatever their situation is. Again, meeting the need or mm-hmm. what seemed to be the need on the mm-hmm. surface. Mm-hmm. And so now they're getting into these relationships. And I'm like, yeah, but do you think he didn't see Mm-hmm. who you were because of where you were and what was being projected from you right. because you're at this point in your life. Right. So when we begin to do the self-work and the things on the inside and, you know, that self-esteem and building that up, it shows in our relationships and it yeah. shows how we, we, how we interact with people, uh, men and women, yeah. you know, on the outside. And because how we show up, then that's how they receive us. They receive us differently. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I want to I want to highlight this uh, another woman in particular who would constantly pick fights with her her partner who she loved he loved her but it she would it would be like she would just pick a fight and just go off and disrespect him and you know the final straw was you need to go to see a therapist or else it's, we're breaking up and it came to light that. Um, her father had abandoned the family and for whatever reason. And so the encouragement was, and this is very common also, uh, the encouragement was see if you can talk to your father. And thankfully one of the rare cases that her father was available and willing to have a conversation and share his story um, about, you know, what really happened, because this is the other part. When, uh, when, as we're being raised, we're little children. We don't understand the dynamic between the adults in our world. We just come to our own conclusions. And so having been abandoned, you know, it's she, she felt like, okay, well, the next man that loves me the way my father says he loves me is going to abandon me. So let me push him out the door before he gets to leave me and I, and I feel abandoned. And that's the dynamic we create we create mechanisms, defense mechanisms that keep us safe and from feeling the type of intense hurt and pain that we felt as children. And of course, it negatively affects our relationships and how we show up. Um, One thing though, I wanna talk about the miseducation of women also as it pertains to our relationships with men, because we are emotional, right? And the relationship, you know, if if I meet a man and all things are going well and, I love the way he makes me feel. Of course, he wants to make me happy and, and make me feel good. And we, in, in our minds as women, it's such a wonderful relationship because I feel good because he it's the emotional high and we're honeymooning and then we might get into an argument. But because he likes me and, and he wants me to be happy, we'll make up and we'll move forward and the relationship will progress. And then we get married. Well, after maybe five, maybe sooner years or so, he's getting in the throw of like, Okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta show up. I gotta go to work. I gotta, I gotta pay the bills. And so she's like, "Well, what happened to all the feelings? What happened to all the, the what? Like, you don't show up. I need you to be blah blah blah." Well, the relationship was founded upon how he made me feel, and so we've been miseducated in that regard. And for the best of couples that have other things in common, that have something to build together, but come to me because of communication issues where he's feeling disrespected and she's feeling unloved. Well, the unloved is that he's just not emotionally available anymore. And I'm doing all the things for him. And now I don't want to have sex with him because I don't feel like he made me feel in the beginning. The miseducation is we don't, we have not, women have not spent the time that it takes to know who this man is as a man and what it looks like when he buckles down and gets to work on the thing that makes him, that fills his cup, mm-hmm. right? We are busy feeling neglected when he's off doing his thing. We're feeling unattended to and lonely. And maybe he's with another woman. Nah, sis, he's just doing what makes him happy and fills his cup. And we have to learn how to give him that space 
to be him and to be a man. I had a couple that, that a woman where she said to me, I feel like, um, you know, he could just be softer. He could talk softer to me. And I said to the husband, this is your wife. We don't need to, we don't need to treat her as though she's one of your soldiers. Okay. You can treat your soldiers in one way, talk to them a certain way, but you know, use your words differently. However, and I had to speak to the wife, we cannot, we cannot make him softer than he already is. The world already does that. The society already wants to make him softer than he is. If he's a harder man, let him be that. But of course we balance in, we balance in the feminine aspects of it. Shout out to Lawrence, Pastor Lawrence Souffrant, who was speaking to the masculine and feminine energies. However, we cannot as women demand and require our men to be feminine with us all of the time and then complain when he doesn't step up and do the man's, the masculine thing and then complain when he wants to have sex with us and just, oh, he wants it all the time. That's part of being a man. So I'm wanting to really encourage our women to, 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 to give our men the space to be men. Our men are dying out here. They're committing suicide because they don't know who to be, how to be, and to whom, much less to themselves. So I really wanted to share that and put that out there as, as, as a re-education of, of our women in the community. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I was going to touch on it. Um, I actually had Lawrence on, uh, I think... Uh, two episodes ago. So when this when this episode airs, I think you go back two episodes. I think that's my uh, the episode where Lawrence was on, and we kind of talked about the same thing as yes. you mentioned was that having that balance and being able to show up in your masculinity, you know, uh, even with from your from the, the man's point of view, but also from the woman's point of view of you know, accepting your man, allowing him to stand up in that, you know, yes, there are going to be some times where, okay, when we're at home, we might have to tone it down some, you know, we might have to tone down, might have to balance it out, you know, because our home should be our safe place. Absolutely. And so if we both, the man and the female understand that, then when he comes home, it's a, Hey, honey, you can tone it down. And he's safe to do that because yeah. the atmosphere has been set for him to do that. And yeah. so we, we talked about that. And another thing that you talked about, uh, which, which kind of touched me, um, you, the example that you gave was uh, disrespecting the husband and then the woman also not feeling uh, loved. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm not getting paid for this, but there is a book called Love and Respect. Um, yeah. I can't think of, of the author. Um, it's two books. When Gary, I talk Chapman, about I think it's Gary Chapman. No, Gary Chapman made uh, Love Languages, which is the other book. Okay. Um, the the Love and Respect is, is by another guy. I think his name started with an E, but I, I don't know. But it's, it's Love and Respect. Mm -hmm. um, but those two books are the two books that I always uh, advise, you know, mm -hmm. couples to read mm -hmm. um, when they're getting into their relationship because the foundations of those two books will help you build a foundation to build your relationship on i definitely the love languages one because like you said when you're coming into a relationship um as a male or female and you're constantly getting receiving how you like to be felt how you want to be felt and you get used to doing that well there's a balance if you want this person to keep treating you you know in a way that fills your cup then you have to be able to feed them in a way that feels their cup at the same time. Right. And, you know, we had to get past, we have to get past that, you know, back in the days that old saying, you know, happy wife, happy life. Like, no, because the wife shouldn't be the only one that's happy in this, in this scenario, right. you know, uh, and, and more so, you know, switches to the happy, happy spouse, happy house. Yeah. Right. So the spouse goes both ways, whether yeah. it's the man or the female. But, and I would say from my point of view, I always teach, your thought process going into the relationship should be how can I, what can I do to make this other person's life better, right? Always, what can I do to make their life better? And if they're thinking the same way, then mm -hmm. you're both going to constantly be feeding into each other what each other needs. And so you, you want to have that balance. But it's when you start thinking about, okay, I'm not getting what I want and what do I need? That's when it really starts to be unbalanced. And even if you do start feeling that way, then address it. Hey, honey, I'm not feeling, you know, some type of way. Let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. But when you start adjusting yourself to, oh, I'm just going to do what more to get what I need or more of what I want. And even if it gets to the point where now you're really making moves to, you know, satisfy yourself 
and your own desires, mm -hmm. even if sometimes it goes against what the other person wants or mm -hmm. what the other person needs. So now mm -hmm. you're just destroying the relationship altogether. You know, okay. instead of having that uh, open communication to be able to talk about it and figure mm -hmm. out what it is that, that you both need. So I'm going to challenge what you just said a little bit, I, and I'm going to challenge it and flush it out because we might be saying the same thing. But 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 a lot of people believe what you said, like wake up and well, how can I do? What can I do to make this person happy? Right? That's what you said, right? Well, I said better, not happy, because happy is a happy is a self fulfilling okay. place. Okay. So what can I do better is, is is my my. Thought, what can I do to make this person's life better? Or what just the day. Just the day. What can I do to make this person's life better? Hmm. I, I challenge that because it, it that kind of that gives room for a dynamic, a relational dynamic called codependency, where hmm. where the spouse can decide, well, if my life is not better today, it's his fault. Like, and, and I think you alluded to that. Like it's his fault because you know, he didn't take out the trash or like the dishes aren't done now. Like, oh my gosh, I'm just so frustrated. Well, no, like I, my life is better because I am me and I'm showing up in this relationship with you. And we are both contributing to the fulfillment of each other's lives and well-being. And like I said, we might be saying the same thing, mm -hmm. but, but the, but the, the driving force and the motivation has to be I'm here. I'm happy that I'm here. I love who I am and I just love who you are. And if there's something about you that negatively affects who I am, then let's talk about that. And maybe you're saying that as well. But other than that, I married you because I know who you are. I've spent time knowing and observing and flushing out. And we've gotten to several arguments and disputes and situations. And we've kind of fine-tuned this relationship so that we can flow in music, in harmony with who I am. And so I can be authentic. And in my authenticity and in your authenticity, wow, this is just a wonderful place to be. I'm not looking for how I can make your life better today. Your life is just wonderful because who you are. And my life is amazing just because of who I am. Yeah, and so, okay. And that's called, and that's called interdependence. Okay, so my my example of, of which I, I believe we're saying the same thing, okay. um, but I just, I just have to go a little deeper in my explanation of it, yes. right? So my explanation would be, First of all, starting with yourself. And that's why I say happiness is a is a, a self-place, right? Yes. You yes. have to be happy by yourself without anyone else. And you can't depend on someone else to make you happy. You right. know, that's something, that's a place you have to find within yourself. Right. All right. So once you've found that place of your own happiness, right? Then we step into the, the love languages. Well, I'm happy with myself, but these are the languages that speak to me in my happiness. And so me as a spouse, when I learn your love languages, so when I wake up the next day and I know that your love language is words of affirmation and, and acts of service, it's not so much that I'm saying, okay, how can I make you happy? But I know that's what feeds into you. So mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do the things that feed into her just because I want her to be happy. Not yeah. because she needs that from me, because she's already happy within herself. But I want to add to you her. Want to love her. You want to love her. Right. So I want to speak into those those parts of her. Yeah. You know, just doing my part. So that's why I, said, I think we're, we're saying the same thing, just breaking it down a little differently. And again, that's why I love having these conversations, because there's so many layers to it. Yeah. You yes. know, and as we as we begin to open it up, then it's like, oh, OK, you know, it's a different aspect. I didn't look at it that way or I didn't hear it that way. Right. You know, and, and like you just you just mentioned about the, the codependent. Let's get a, a little bit into that. You know, the the codependent uh, um, relationship, should I say, versus the uh, interdependent, you know, yeah. especially in this in this time period of the Miss Independent, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, how how do those three um, examples kind of manifest in our relationships uh, from a woman's standpoint? I don't even know if it if it kind of comes from a man's standpoint. I've never really listened, known, or heard of it coming from a man's uh, point of view. So you may be able to enlighten me. On that, I'm definitely open to the um, information, but just those codependent and interdependent, um, aside from the misindependent whole okay. 
situation, but I, I'll let you explain it because I'm, I'm all ears. So codependency is an extreme, it has several, several different definitions. I'm going to land on uh, uh, codependency is a title of a relationship where the people involved in the relationship depend on each other to get their needs met. It's a heavy, intense dependence on getting their emotional needs met. And codependency comes from a childhood of neglect where parents were just not emotionally available uh, to, to provide for the child. Codependent uh, adults are children who learn that I got to do life by myself. Um, no one's going to listen to my, my emotions, so I got to figure it out, or I'm going to expect people to read my mind and to know what it is I need from them. And then I'm going to, and then I'm going to anticipate other people's needs and then, um, uh, be mad and resentful when nobody's reading my mind. Uh, and then I'm going to jump in and have all the answers for everybody, whether or not they, I was asked so that I can feel important and purposeful in these relationships. And all of all codependent, I'm going to go ahead and say all, like nobody likes extremes and, and, and generalizations, but all codependent relationships hit a wall because there's always going to be somebody who's going to be angry and bitter and resentful because they feel like they've poured all of who they are into this other person with nothing in return because the, the person who's receiving all the things is satisfied. Like, I don't need anything. You're giving all of it. You're reading my mind and you're providing all the things. So that's codependent. And I want to say that in the African-American community, the word codependent is a misnomer. We think that because it's co, we, we think that it means with, with dependent, but it's actually, it's, it, no, <laughs> no, it's not a, it's not a positive. Um, it's not a fulfilling and healthy um, relationship dynamic at all because it takes away independence and it has no boundaries. Codependent relationships rarely use the word no, right? And so that's one of the very important tools to get away from codependency, the word no. And when we get into interdependence, we're talking about like what we just shared, the ability to be self-aware, the ability to self-soothe, meaning when I'm upset about something, I'm not going to my partner to make me feel better. I'm learning what kind of things make me feel better, whether it's music or exercise, conversations with my girlfriend, sitting by the water, poetry, whatever that looks like for me. And then being able to share that with my partner. Um, and then, you know, have hopefully my partner is um, emotionally aware, emotionally competent, intelligent enough to be able to comfort and empathize with me and be a partner in helping me solve whatever the problem is. Of course, there'll be times when I'm upset in the presence of my partner and he's there to help comfort, things of that nature. But it's not the dependence to make I feel better. I'm going to feel bad until my partner makes me feel better. Oh, my partner has a sense of humor. I'm just going to feel bad until he makes me laugh. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yeah. I definitely can can um, connect with the the codependent uh, aspect. I have seen definitely seen that in my lifetime, you mm -hmm. know, and, and even having conversations with people in those relationships. But like, you know, uh, a lot of times they are looking for the the person to fulfill them, and then sometimes they never even tell them. It's like, so how is they supposed to know what it is that you want if you can't even, you know? And that's the nature of yes, that's the nature of codependency. And there's lots of blame in codependency. You see, I'm feeling this way because you, if you had not, then I would not. No, ma'am. No, sir. No, yeah. sir. It and the work, the work, ooh, and 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 recovering from codependency is hard work because there's guilt now. Like I feel guilty for saying no. I feel guilty for doing what I want to do. And so it's eradicating that guilt and and keeping yourself individual and owning your own authentic emotion and thoughts and, and behaviors and being okay with who you are and being free to be who you are. And, and then, you know, once again, that boundary, because when we set boundaries and we say, no, when we say, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. It leaves the other, first of all, it doesn't feel good to the other person because they're not accustomed to the boundaries, but then it gives them space to decide, okay, well, this what this is what I want to do then, and I'm going to do this. And if they happen to want to be together and stay together, hallelujah. If not, we grieve the loss of that relationship, but we move on because, you know, we we move on and and hope for the best in in other relationships, other friendships, and we we 
we learn how to engage and interact in a healthier way. Yeah, and 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 one of the things that I often uh, um, I often uh, advise uh, in those relationships is to do exactly what you said and start building those boundaries. And and I always say, first of all, start with the boundaries with yourself. Yes. What what are the things that you are not going to allow you to do? Yes. You know that's going to make things better because a lot of times, uh, some people, especially in the the codependent relationships, they are quick to put up the boundaries for the other person. You know, like you said, because they already have that blame where you did this, so that made me do this, whatever. So I'm going to put up these boundaries so you don't... No, 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 no. Start with you. What are you going to do? What boundaries are you going to put up for yourself? I'm not going to allow myself to go here. I'm not going to allow myself to even go here mentally because a lot of times there's self-sabotage in the relationship because of the childhood trauma. You know, my dad, I, I remember having a conversation with someone who told me they were in a great relationship. Yes. They were in a great relationship, but the fear was it was so good that the fear always was it was so be it was so good that he was gonna leave at any time. And so their their mindset to that was I'm gonna do something to make him leave. Then that way, when he leaves, I don't feel bad. You know, mm-hmm. and put up, wait a minute, let's put up those boundaries of not even allowing yourself to go there. Because if right. you're in a wonderful relationship, let's work on your self-esteem. Let's work on your things that you have to deal with internally to be able to accept the fact that you deserve that relationship. You mm-hmm. deserve him being there. And as long as you're communicating and you're both meeting each other's needs, I doubt very seriously he's just going to up and disappear. But don't give him a reason. Right. <laughs> Don't give him a reason to disappear and then say, see, I knew that was going to happen. Like, right. no, but you caused that. You right. Know? Self-fulfilling prophecy. And when you said um, setting up boundaries for yourself, what came to my mind is eating, basic self-care, eating, go to sleep, go to sleep at 10 o'clock. Why are we staying up till three o'clock in the morning? Why? Mm-hmm. Those are lack of boundaries. If I'm asleep and it's six o'clock in the morning and my phone rings, I'm not answering. And if I answer, hello, you sleep? Yes, I'll call you back. That's a boundary. I'll call you back when I wake up, right? We're not going to stay up. It's okay. What do you need? And sacrifice my rest and well-being once again to meet the other person's need, which they can probably figure out in the meantime, or if it's an emergency, what is the, the answer you see say? If it's an urgent matter, we call 911 and go to our nearest emergency room. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. And and I think you know, like you said, those those codependent relationships, they take a lot. They take a lot. But I think it's it's starting uh, number one to um, recognize mm-hmm. you know that you are in that relationship, and then dealing with the issues within yourself that you know adds on adds to the fact that you're in those type of relationships and needing that validation from, from the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's a that's a whole another episode <laughs> by itself, just mm-hmm. dealing with those issues. So um, Miss Natalie, I, I'm glad that you're on. Before, before we go, though, um, I know you're on this podcast, but you also have your own podcast. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about your podcast. The name of my podcast is The Butterfly Podcast. And the imagery is where butterflies, where butterflies start off as ca- caterpillars in cocoons, and we we struggle through the cocoon, um, out of the cocoon, and we 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 emerge as butterflies fry, flying with freedom and and the new knowledge and awareness of who we are. And so this podcast uh, is for women of of all ages and um, single or married that uh, want to find themselves and understand the communities, find the community and live in a more free, uh, in a more free headspace, uh, healed and understanding life in a clearer way. Good, 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 good. So Miss Natalie, first of all, let me say again, thank you so much for, for being on, uh, for being a guest. I definitely appreciate you taking out the time to be here. I want to let you have the last word. Uh, you give us a word of advice, inspiration, however you feel, you know, feel to leave us um, and definitely give us our, your social media handles and, and things of that nature where we can reach out to you. Uh, the listeners can reach out to you to work with you. Uh, I'll give you a, a second to, to think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
To my listeners, I told you guys at the top I was going to tell you how you can win $100 from the podcast. So um, make sure I'm doing this right. You can win $100 from the podcast by entering our super subscriber contest. And what does that mean? That means you must subscribe to the podcast on our YouTube channel, on our Facebook page, and on your uh, Spotify or your uh, podcast distribution site, whichever one you use, whether it's Google or Apple Podcasts or whatever, uh, for your audio um, po- your audio listening podcast. So, but we use Spotify uh, mostly because that's how we keep track. So, in order to win $100 for the Super Subscriber Contest, again, you must subscribe to our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, our podcast on Spotify. And after you've done those three things, you text the word WIN, W-I-N, to the number 866-326-0730 in order to qualify to win $100. And the contest is ongoing. It never stops. And it's random. So at any time, I can pull a name and you win $100 just like that. And once you're in, you're in. You know, you don't have to worry about, you know, uh, did I got to read? you know, re, uh, re-up or whatever. No, once you're in, you're in, and you're always, as long as you listen, you're always able to uh, win $100 from the podcast. Just that easy, okay? So again, join our Super Subscriber Contest. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, and our podcast on Spotify. Text the word WIN, W-I-N, to the number 866-326-0730 to qualify to win a hundred dollars, Miss Natalie. Again, thank you so very much for being on, uh, for bl- gracing us with your pl- pl- I can't talk <laughs> with your presence and your expertise. <laughs> so, I will let you have the last word. The floor is yours. Thank you, Ernest. So, thank you for, I mean, you use the word grace. The name of my um counseling service is called Healing Grace Counseling, and my office is in Atlanta, Georgia. I do, I am licensed in Georgia as well as Alabama. I do provide virtual services. And so you can find me at, uh, on Facebook at Healing Grace Counseling, the Healing Grace. Uh, On Instagram, it's at Natalie Alexander LPC. And I want to encourage all you out there, all the listeners out there to seek healing and give yourself grace. And if you choose me as your therapist, I will walk alongside with you on your journey towards life and healing. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. Can't end it no better than that. Again, to my listeners, thank you guys once again for tuning in to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. Our mission is to help people to deal, to heal, and to fulfill, to deal with your problem, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. Until next time, we'll see you guys next week. Be blessed. Hey guys, I know you're enjoying the podcast. However, don't forget to join our text line at 866-326-0730. That's 866-326-0730. In order to receive text messages with new events and things that is going on and new episodes as they release. All right. See you in a minute. Thanks for listening to the deal to heal with E James podcast. Remember to listen, like subscribe and share. This episode has been brought to you by deal to heal teas. Put some inspiration in your situation where inspirational tea and be inspired all day. Let's go to dealstoheeltees.myshopify.com. Remember, our mission is to help you to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for listening.